Hi, my name is Jean-Pierre and it feels so good to be back. I missed you all. I feel like I've been gone for forever. A quick shout out to everyone that sent a text, called, prayed and did something one way or another to help me feel better while I was sick. I appreciate y'all. Thank you. Thank you so much for the love. I am back and I am better and I cannot wait to get right into this. Alright, let's get into it. Where do I even start from? Um, okay, let's go back in time. Let's go back. Way back. I remember one time in high school, right? It must have been the 10th or 11th grade. Uh, there was this time when my entire class flunked a chemistry test. I remember the whole class code marks below 60% or so. The teacher came during the chemistry period and we could just tell by the way she walked in that things were about to go down. So she started blasting us about our performance and uh, I think that was the first time we ever saw her like that. We almost cracked her. I think we cracked her because she was never the same after that day. She was one of those teachers we considered a cool teacher, you know. I went to a very interesting private school and we were like, I think we were 16 or 17 in that class. So she decided to hand out the test results and uh, basically she would look at her paper, check the name and go straight to that person's desk, give a lecture and walk away. She did that with every single person in that class. For some reason, I was the last person she handed out the test results and... Uh, I remember she walked over to my desk, she looked at my paper, she looked at me, handed me my paper, and she walked away. Not a single word, not a single reaction, nada, zero, zilch. Like I mentioned, I went to a very interesting private school, and uh, private school kids are built differently, you know. So, upon seeing what had just happened, there was a sudden uproar in my class from my classmates. They were not having it at all. They were looking forward to me getting a lecture as well. I was looking forward to getting a lecture as well. So our chemistry teacher just stayed back with a mean face and the class calmed down. And I remember, I remember her vividly saying, Oh, she looked at me and, and then she looked at the class. She said, Oh, he knows why he got those marks. I'm not worried about him. He's smart and he can always get his grades back up. The rest of you, I'm not so sure. To my surprise, the murmurs of discontent suddenly turned into choruses of agreement. And then, my classmates, my boys, compadres, started shouting at me for getting low marks because, according to them, I was the smartest kid in class and therefore I was not allowed to fail any test. Can you imagine that? Getting a lecture from people who had flunked the test. <laughs> Incredible. Anyway, ever since that day, I never allowed myself to flunk any other test in high school. I was extremely hard on myself. There, there were times during tests, right? Especially difficult tests. When my friends would be passing notes to each other or whispering answers to each other or working on, you know, some form of teamwork during tests, somehow, consciously or subconsciously, I was never allowed to be part of those criminal activities. <laughs> and I wanted to be, sometimes, badly. It was like a golden rule to let me figure things out. Worse, I never got asked how a test was the assumption was always that i will pass anyway so why bother right my high school days were very interesting anyway i told the story because something out of the ordinary happened last week when i wasn't feeling well it allowed me to see myself in a different light it was a deviation from what i've come to know and accept of myself over the years last week when i started experiencing excruciating pain i called two of my closest friends usually when i'm not feeling well i try to buy as much time as 
as possible so that I can try to figure things out by myself. I try by all means to self-medicate and not involve any other person. Most times I succeed but other times I fail terribly and when I do fail what I usually do is I either call or text a few people I let them know what I'm going through that I'm experiencing pain and I just leave it at that. Most times I leave it open for them to decide whether they want to come over and help or if they have any suggestions as to what they think I should do. However, what I did this time, which I think was something I've never done or said before, as I texted my friends, I explicitly said, I need your help. Let me know if you'll be able to come over. I think that was the first time in my life I actually said, I need your help. I must have rewritten that text a million times, must have gone over it a million times before I sent it as well. So on my part, that was extraordinary. My friend came over and he spent a couple of days uh, with me. He was on leave, so we were practically around each other for like 96 hours straight. I think that was the longest time we've been around each other consecutively. I guess today's episode stems from a question he asked. He said, fam, what would you have been doing if you didn't text and ask for help? In in my usual nonchalant way, I was like, I would have just disappeared for a few days and put myself together, then show up again like nothing happened. I would have figured it out some way or another, as I'm expected to. I think him being around me that long and seeing firsthand what I was dealing with, coupled by his preconceived assessment of my character, the identity that he has associated with my demeanor. Obviously, as a close friend, he knows that I am not one to easily ask for help. And also, I am not one who divulges much information unless I'm really pressed, pinned against the wall. So in case you haven't caught it already, what was extraordinary was that I asked for help and in asking for help I guess my friend experienced a different character trait of mine a deviation from what he was accustomed to a deviation from what I was also accustomed to earlier I told the story of my chemistry teacher in my class and how I eventually tied myself to an identity that I never chose for myself but rather one that I assumed based on the assessments of those around me those I esteemed highly the identity of always being the smartest kid the identity of being the one that never asks for help, the one that has it all figured out or has to figure it all out. Most times, especially in our early stages of life, a lot of the ways we identify who we are is not through the discovery of self, but through attaching ourselves to identities and characteristics as described by those we deem trustworthy, valuable, dependable and sometimes irreplaceable and we do this without questioning whether they are right or wrong i guess it's the lens through which we perceive these people that we automatically assume that they cannot be wrong about us or that they cannot have an ulterior motive or be manipulative or deceptive so we entirely accept identities even if we feel we may not necessarily be in alignment with them we may compromise here and there on what we truly feel or what we want to feel or what we want to be or aspire to be because we are tied down by an identity that maybe a lot of people have built for us i've had friends admit that they don't even like some of the things that they They don't like smoking or taking whatever substance that they take. Or they don't like that they are as outgoing as they are or whatever persona they portray. They don't even know why they do the things they do. But mostly, I guess, it's because they get backed up against a corner by other people. Similar people who 
may not also have the courage to stand alone but are tied to their assumed identities as well and they feel safer to live out these identities with other people they think are cut from the same cloth the ones deemed as rude the bad boys the party girls the smart kids the weirdos the cool kids and all these other tags we associate with our identities early on in life those who boast the loudest of their uniqueness or independence or rebelliousness have most likely picked up from someone the idea that this assumed identities are a virtue and their very eagerness to be individualistic is the result of the influence of others they are what they are because of the counsel they have followed and i think very rarely does one at an early age assume such an identity for themselves unless someone else puts it to them now if you know me you know that over the course of my life i've had tons and tons of nicknames and in looking back i guess each nickname was basically a stamp of approval of a new identity at a particular moment in time every one of my nicknames represents an identity i assumed and grew into over time only when growth happened and when i stumbled upon a bigger purpose within me did i stop responding to certain names and aligning myself to those identities however they still a long way to go because there's still a few more identities that i'm still very actively playing a part so again in high school i had two best friends right they were sisters i met the older sister first and she was like there's a person i know you get along with and it turned out it was her younger sister and then fast forward we all became extremely good friends then with time it just so happened that i clicked more with the younger sister one day we went to some event that is myself and the younger sister i remember she introduced me to some people she knew and she said this is my best friend he's super cool i tell him everything including things i cannot tell my own sister and i never have to worry about sharing my secrets with him it's like he works for the cia or something or the secret service because you can't get anything out of him we all laughed and uh, we had a great time at that event and in that moment it felt like she was paying me the highest form of compliments you know and i'm sure she was on the other hand it also deepened my conformity to an identity of one who was very secretive and closed up a character i've played very well over the years not because i've never had things to share and open up about but mostly because i felt like if i did open up more and share more if i became a little vulnerable with people here and there then it will be a deviation from who i believed i was or at least a deviation from who i believe my own best friend assumed i was i've often had conversations with my siblings right about some of the things we used to say to each other when we were younger some of the jokes we had the inside jokes that is some of the things that happened within the family some remarks that were associated with each individual child and it turns out some of these things though at that time were shared in moments of maybe innocence and received with laughter but overall they had an impact on us these little things these little foxes we often ignore descriptions of ourselves that often just go unchecked but as we now know that little seemingly insignificant things can cause grossly disproportionate damage little comments we pass concerning our weight or how we dress our health status jokes about a low success rate with relationships you know stuff like that and you know some places some neighborhoods have even accepted that as long as you are from that place there's no bright future for you imagine an entire neighborhood under the impression that their destiny fate ambitions and dreams 
are inhibited simply because of a geographical location they're in. I'm positive that that narrative starts with just one single misguided and unchecked assessment. I can share more stories of how I stayed in places that I should have left a long time ago, but I remained there because of the identity I assumed from the confines of those spaces. Friendships and relationships I held onto so strongly simply because of a certain identity I attached myself to, an identity derived from those particular friends of mine or partners at that time. I remember I had a close friend once whose character was so different from mine. Questions were always raised regularly as to why polar opposite people would have such a close friendship. I never realized it then, but I do now. Our friendship was based on enabling each other. My friend being one who enjoyed causing chaos and I being one who enjoyed playing the role of a savior, the cleanup guy, Superman. This chap once told me he's not scared to commit murder because he knows me and my big brains would come up with a plan and clean the mess up. We say these things to our friends, right? It rolls off the tongue poetically and sounds so deep and meaningful, but it can be a chain. For example, my ride or die. Okay, so why do we have to die? And where are we riding to? Okay, so like, what are we riding in? I have a bad knee, so if we're manually riding, I don't think we're gonna go far because like, I have to take a rest every now and then, you know, but then, okay, so we will ride or die. Okay, sorry, I digress. But what I'm saying is that these sentiments sometimes become psychological shackles that we are constantly tightening to ourselves and others, keeping us away from knowing any other path in life. I do believe you have that friend that only calls you or shows up when they're in need um when they're heartbroken or when they need money or they need emotional support of some sort spiritual support as well a friend that only shows up when they need you to enable them to indulge in their toxic behaviors in such cases you're only there to fulfill a certain identity this person has assembled most times to their benefit now i'm not saying helping out a friend financially or being emotionally supportive is a bad thing but analyze the parameters in which this relationship functions it is usually occasional and very transactional you even know before you pick up that this person needs this or that you know when they text hey you know the next text that is coming through is them asking for a favor you know most times it leaves you a little more drained and you know without this transactional link you guys would probably not be friends sometimes other people don't even know that you are friends or so and so because you are hardly seen together i pray i break free from every identity that hinders me from becoming the fullest god has intended me to be i ask for courage to denounce any assessment of my character that does not align with what and who i am becoming i love how those who are encountering me for the first time through this platform refer to me as vulnerable and open and, and honest i love how those who have known me prior are changing their assessments of who they thought i was i love how this has created a new opportunity for experiences conversations and illumination that i never thought i would encounter so all in all i hope you accept identities that are aligned to the overall picture and purpose that you are now aware of Cut loose from identities that no longer serve you. Break free so you can have room to maneuver and grow and understand that the true meaning of life is growth. The true meaning of life is progression and continuity. So that means you cannot be tied to one identity longer than you should, especially an identity that you don't co-sign anymore. The perfect proof of life is the ability to outgrow people, places, 
habits and patterns when a pregnant lady's water breaks right it signifies an end to one identity and a beginning of another a place that was so comfortable a place that provided security nourishment and protection for the baby all of a sudden becomes uncomfortable and limiting so the baby has no choice but to break forth under normal circumstances that's how we all began this thing called life by breaking forth from a space and identity that no longer correlated with our now identity Sadly, in the course of life, we are not as consistent with this natural life process. But I want to remind you of what you are so easily capable of doing. Break out, break forth, birth a new you consistently and don't be afraid to keep on reintroducing you to you and to others. I am actually looking forward to meeting a new you for the first, second, third, fourth and even the hundredth time. And I'm so sure that you'll still be amazing. Love always and forever. One question I frequently get asked is how I want to be remembered when I'm gone. Great question, right? Difficult answer. Difficult in a sense that I don't know if I will have all the time to exhaust every possible opportunity to live every version of my best self. And is the best version of myself at a particular time the best version I could ever be or it's just the best version at that time. So how then do I compress all that I can be? to one narrative and say this is what I want to be remembered for. I guess the best answer to the question would be, I hope you remember me as one who was constantly evolving. Somehow that answer doesn't do justice in terms of what we are accustomed to hearing. You'd expect me to say, maybe I want to be remembered as one who had vast wisdom on issues of life. Well, there was a time I didn't. I could say remember me for the vulnerability I exude in my work. But if I'm being honest, for everything that I can tell you to remember me for, I promise you there was a time I was the polar opposite. But one thing has always been constant, and that is the evolution of a being who had an inward desire to do better, to be better, evolving, then, now, and possibly in the life to come. So, how do you want to be remembered?